Welcome to the deep dive. Wow, we we we're actually back. We made it. We're back. Both of us. Both of us. And like audio, amazing. And just in time for the game. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So as a bit of a background, so it would have been easier to have done a a 4K video call with somebody in Mosul versus um, doing it with with yourself the last few days. Yeah. Good on your Telstra. Thanks for making life a little bit more challenging than it already is. Well, we had a few issues. So um, I was away. Well, you were sick. Then I was away. Then your internet's been like the back side of an ass. Oh, it's like nineteen ninety seven all over again. Dial up. Well, you were literally getting like one twenty eight kilobit speeds. You were getting like full on dial up speeds. So the MVN. Yeah, it's a disgrace. Like I've been getting like 60 megabytes and you've been getting like basically zero. So we've literally tried audio only like via Zoom with no no video to try and get the best, you know, audio connection. We still can't get it to work and both of us are too busy during the day, of course, to, to try and do a phone call. So it's just been impossible. But um, yeah, look, uh, well, this is going to be a fair catch up, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, there's, there's so much to discuss. And then obviously like lots of random bits and pieces are floating around as well. Um, massive thanks to our sponsors at Hops to Home. Hops to Home is a craft beer delivery service. You can check them out at hopstohome.com.au. Use the promo code AFLDEEPDIVE to get $25 off your first pack. Hopstohome.com.au, craft beer delivery service. Check them out. We So we'll do round six, but, I mean, we didn't really do round five, but we'll kind of work it into the conversation and then I guess have a bit of an, what do you think, a bit of an overall discussion because there's, there is a lot of narratives that have that have you know I guess amplified and changed since we last spoke. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we usually do over the last few um, seasons, around this time we kind of just have a quick assessment of what we thought from the start yeah. of the year and how things have panned out. So it'd be a good chance to do that because obviously uh, my my uh, outlook at the start of the year is very different to what it is now. That is for sure. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Um, well, we might even do a ladder recap. Let's do a quick ladder recap now, and then we can go into the round. So sitting first, of course, Western Bulldogs, um, six, six and six, haven't lost a game. Um, 175% ridiculously healthy percentage as well. Melbourne, six and six, undefeated, uh, 150%. Um, Port sitting third, uh, only lost the one game. Um, sitting at, so obviously, five wins, 136%. So still looking really strong as well. Geelong for, ironically, like all the criticism of Geelong over the last, you know, two or three weeks, Month. particularly yeah. months, really, they're still sitting fourth, so they're still clearly well and truly in it. And while you might one might criticise, this is how long ago we spoke, but that was after that, you know, the Easter Monday game. Um, you know, everyone criticised Scott, they're still in the game, so it is what it is. But um, they've won four hundred and twenty three percent. Ironically, like there was talk about them not scoring enough. They they, st- they got the fourth best percentage. Um, and then Sydney, uh, four wins. They should be a lot better than that. They should. There's a couple of games they shouldn't have lost, but sitting fourth, uh, sorry, fifth, four wins, 113%. And then Frio, four wins, 109. Frio, really the the sleeper, I think, of the eight. The, the team that, like, you know, I don't think anyone saw. I I, I had them outside of the eight. I think they were a team that could maybe play for that ten to eighth position, but. Yeah, I mean, they've got. There's a lot of teams. They're going to have to beat a lot of teams, and I've not been convinced with them away, really. But 
they sneak a couple of away wins and keep playing as well as they do at home. Jeez, it makes it interesting. Nice. They're another player for sure. And then Richmond sitting at seventh with three wins, 113%. Um, and then Brisbane, he's still floating around the mix, uh, three wins, 105 uh, and then Adelaide outside of the eight sitting uh, three wins at ninth, 102%. It's so still fairly, you know, okay percentage. West Coast really sort of pissy percentage now at 93 with that, um, you know, dog shit Geelong game. Three wins, of course. And then the Gold Coast, only the two wins. Very disappointing. I, I had the Gold Coast at um, at eighth. I mean, there's not, I think there's no way. There's too many good teams. They're, they're not playing finals, um, I, I would say. Yeah, they really need it. They really needed to be at uh, even kilter, three and three at the at the very worst. Yeah, I reckon is the season's only going to be get harder for them. They're still a very young team, so yeah, yeah, pretty disappointing. At the same, like those two teams right now, um, West Coast are probably the and Gold Coast to a lesser extent, probably the two teams that are pretty disappointing in my eyes about where they where they currently sit. I thought West Coast would be the top four or five. Right, right now. Yeah, West Coast have blown a bunch of chances, absolutely. And then, um, yeah, and then Gold Coast, obviously, they, they were really good against Sydney. But aside from that game, I mean, they, they've been generally not, not great. Uh, and then Essendon, great Anzac Day game, which we'll get into in a minute. Two wins. Um, as we said in the preseason episodes, I actually think they're, they're going to be a bit better than people think. And that's exactly what's, what's kind of happened. I think we, we struck the nail on that one. Two wins, 97%. Carlton, um, oh, look, it's funny, like the last four or five days, everybody's like, oh, do we really need to reevaluate Carlton? Are they not finals contenders? And I'm like, do you, all you people really think Carlton were legitimate finals, like top six type contenders? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I never had them anywhere near there. No, not at the moment. Like, and it's not because they haven't got a list that could be good. Um, it's just that who are they pushing out? That's the thing. I, I, there's, there's, there's a lot of teams that are better than them at the moment. Quite a few. There's 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 literally on the ladder, but also like just in terms of what what we would say, I just don't have them anywhere near there. But and then um, the Giants two wins, sneaky couple of wins recently. They that was looking really dire that for a while there. But a couple mm. couple of wins that recently. Um, they get uh, they get a few pieces back, but I still think they're they're going to be a real struggle to make the eight. Of course, pretty hard to to eighty four percent too. Yeah, eighty four is not pretty poor. And then Hawthorne two wins, eighty two percent. There's a lot I want to discuss about Hawthorne, which we'll obviously get into. And then St Kilda um, two wins, horrific percentage with sixty seven. Is is it? I mean, that, forget it. This this season's shot. Um, what a uh, I kind of well it is and I did I did kind of go into this in in some of the like random monologue episodes that I did but like I don't I don't understand yeah we'll get we'll get into it when we get into the game but I mean essentially like this is just such a such a bad performance and I I just don't see their outs being as damaging as people say like you know it was like oh they miss Marshall so much like it's like yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll get into it. I mean, some of some of these outs, it's like, look, they miss them. But if that's how thin the paper is, were they really serious contenders anyway? That anyway, there's there's no, there's just not the depth there. And then Collingwood one win. Wow. I mean, I had Collingwood out of the eight. I had Collingwood at like thirteenth or twelfth or something. But I definitely didn't have them at seventeenth with eighty five percent. They've been in games. They've had they've had some 
quarters where they've been quite good. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it's the same old stuff we've been talking about for you know over a year. And then North, no wins, forty five percent. Wow. Um, yeah, but no, I'm surprised. No, no, I had I had them last, but I mean, I thought they might be. To be honest, I think they've pretty much had two competitive quarters in the whole year, which is pretty yeah. pretty concerning, really. Um, anyway, so that's 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 the latter. So round rounds, well, yeah, round five we saw Richmond smash St Kilda. We saw not a bad match on the Friday night, West Coast Collingwood, West Coast by twenty seven. We saw we saw a lot of beatings over over the last couple of weeks. Like we saw um, we saw the Western Bulldogs pump like pump. They could that that match should have been a lot a lot better than that. A lot more. Yeah. So yeah. the Western Bulldogs pumped them by ten goals. The Gold Coast, and then we saw a really good game. The the Sydney Derby. I thought that was quite good. The yeah. second half was yeah. a lot better than the first, but um, it, it it built and if Toby Green kicked straight, that was a yeah. There's a lot in that game that was just sort of very. It's funny because I actually saw a lot of round five, and then we didn't do an episode, so I took like a shed load of notes for round five. But um, and then um, pretty bad game. I think. The scoreboard flooded them. You know, Port kind of took the foot off the gas, but Port um, really beat the Blues pretty convincingly. And then, and then another ten goal beating the Lions. Hammered Essendon, who didn't deal with the conditions at all. That was that really wet game at the Gabba, where it was like torrential rain the whole time. Um, and then the Crows Dockers, really good game. I actually, that's one of my favourite games of the year. I really liked that game. That was great. I, I would have loved. Like, there's no point now. It's too much time's passed. But that was yeah. a lot of fun. Would have been a lot of fun to go kind of pretty heavy into. And then then we saw Melbourne pump Hawthorne. Hawthorne were never really in the game. Like in the first quarter, a little bit, but it was because of Melbourne's inaccuracy. It never really felt like Hawthorne yeah, were massively. That's it. Like in people it. keep going, oh, good for the three quarters. Like, yeah, on the scoreboard. But if you're watching the game, Hawthorne took their chances out and they got them out the back. There was no real structured entries into their forward line and set up goals, whereas Melbourne were doing those couldn't kick straight. Um, yeah, Melbourne had this game well and truly under control and then uh, the floodgates obviously opened up in the last quarter to yeah. make it 50 points. Disappointing if you're a Hawthorne supporter and probably disappointed for the players, but yeah, if you watch this game, the Melbourne were always in control. 100%. Never gonna let the, no, no. They, they, they were going to win that game and then in one of the uglier games, I think probably the worst game of the year, um, the Geelong North game. It was a game that nobody wanted to win. It was really bad. Like this is a game like you, you, you. I felt sorry for people who don't know the sport that saw this game. This please like don't think that this is what the game's like. It was it was so dire and slow and bland, and it was really really unconvincing in every respect. I know Geelong just pumped West Coast, but West Coast completely put the Q in the rack. I think they knew no McGovern, no Yo, no Shuey, which we'll get into. But, um, but for me, like I guess, what what are our main takeaways out of round five? Like, I mean, you know, the Cats were very unconvincing. Um, it, there's a few little things with Geelong in that game. It did show that you know the old guard. I think is a bit shaky. You know, it's it's. I think the for me the the, the three teams that sit on top of the ladder are the three legitimate teams right at the moment and then there's a gap. Yeah. I know Richmond will hum home. They'll 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 get the engines revving in the second half of the year. And I think Brisbane will pro starting to see show signs that that's what they're looking to do. And yeah. I, I still hope that that's what Geelong are gonna be like as well. We'll start yeah. to see them play really good football from 
round 16 onwards. Yeah. I know, it's funny because, like, yeah, I know... And then, and, then, and then a blanket over everyone else except North Melbourne. Oh, I agree. And I think it's funny because, like, in that Cats-North game, it is a little bit concerning. I know I just propped the Cats up, but it is a little bit concerning that, like, Tom McKay beat Hawkins. It's a bit concerning that Kane Turner completely tags Elwood out of the game. Like, these are really players no one's heard of, and... and they did a pretty good job. Um, I think North actually were okay in that game. They just obviously, you know, are struggling. In the Hawks-Ds game, I mean, we'll get into this, but Salem, and we talked a bit about him earlier in the year, what a game he had that game. And then, for me, Gorn, like Back just, yeah, 100%. And Gorn has just grown so much as a leader. Um, there's not much to take out of the Lions-Ds game. Crows Frio was like, it was just such a, that was a weird game. That felt like a, an 80s game. It didn't feel like a normal game. It was just sort of, like pretty consistent scoring, and it was yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, well, Freo really should have won by a lot more. They were so inaccurate, which is we'll get into that as well. But you know, Port, I think it, that Blues Port game it just showed the ridiculous depth that Port have. I think Port, I think the Dogs are the most exciting team, and they might be the best team. But I don't know. I kind of feel like Port's the best team in the league. I think. Yeah. I just think I their depth is so good. And they've got the experience. There's so many of them that have that finals experience. I know there's a few people on the dogs list that played in the 16 flag. But I think, gun to my head, I think Port's probably the best side in the league. I think they've got the most balanced team yeah. across, the, across the, the, the game at the moment. And they do that really deep. And probably only second to uh, the doggies as far as... Uh, watchability. I, I love the, the yeah. way that um, Higley's got his team playing. That they, they they're hard and, and clinical when they need to be, and and, and they put on some razzle dazzle at the same time. I, they've got a really good balance, and and you can just tell all the players are playing for each other and 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 for the coach and their, and their supporters. It's it's great great for football, and the doggies exactly the same. And that's probably why um, they're sitting one and three at the moment. Well, Port, yeah, Port have disgusting. Depth and when Fantasia and Aaliyah can come in and dominate the way they're dominating, it's yeah, it's pretty mm. pretty exciting. And, and Georgiades is is so good. And I think Ollie Wines is having his best season. And I think um, yeah, I think he is going to mean that Boak is no way a chance to win the Brownlow. He got close last year, but Wines is going to take a shed load of votes off him, uh, which is good. That that's good for them in terms of winning winning silver at oh, the absolutely. end of the year. Um, but this was this was I think Carlton were. Pretty piss weak and pretty lazy in this game. I'll be honest. They they it didn't feel like they wanted to win the game, and um, they're just so inconsistent. Their inside fifties were were poor and very inconsistent. And we'll talk about it in the next game as well. But like, I can't see how Murphy can go on. I'll be honest. Like, I think I I, I love Eddie Betts, and he's been such a great player. But the, Carlton really do feel like a team that's trying to have its cake and eat it. That you'd only keep those kind of players around if you were really close to it, and they're not. Uh, and or if they're having an impact like uh, yeah, uh, Doherty's having like he's he's having a major impact, even though he literally didn't play for the last two years, and he's no spring chicken. Um, but Murphy and Betts aren't really having that type of impact on the game. Um, so why take up a space when they've got such a young list and just start bloody more young players? So that in theory, uh, they have more realistic chance in two years. To have a crack. 100%. Their window is not now. Their window is in a few years. And it's concerning if I'm Patrick Cripps, who they want to re-sign. I mean, Cripps, to be honest to me, and we'll get into this further, but Cripps is playing like a 2019 and 2020, 
Melbourne midfielder. And by that I mean he wants to get the most possessions, win the game on his back, just, you know, play pretty champagne-style football. But he's not playing to his strength. He's not playing that contested beast. He's, you know, I, I think it's it's really not working. His decision-making has been pretty poor through the year. Um, they were no chance in that game with the waiter in concussion as well. Like, and that's the thing. Like, a few pieces fall and Carlton are, are cooked. That's the thing. They have, no, they have yeah. very, very poor no, depth. They have very yeah, poor depth. 22 to 24 are really good. And obviously, if they get Kerno back, he definitely, well, it makes it interesting because does he interrupt how good Harry Mackay's been? No, but he obviously he's a, he's a very good player and he'll wake that forward line um, much harder to defend against. So, yeah, they're in a, they're in a precarious position uh, at Carlton. Um, how, they, how they move and play um, Cripps because I think. He hasn't got used to the fact that he's got some support now in the midfield um, and he needs to utilise it um, mm. a bit better because uh, Pat Dow and Walsh and these guys um, and Ed Kerno, uh, they're playing some really good football and I think he just needs to cut the umbilical cord a little bit there and he doesn't need he, to he be... he play team football. Uh, and, and well, he doesn't need to t- carry that load anymore. Um, no. He's got some genuine players that can help him now. 100%. And the, and the reality is... While I've been obviously very critical of Carlton this year, Sam Walsh is in incredible form, and he's that's it, it's it's frustrating. It's one of those things. It's it's the independent film that doesn't get seen because it just doesn't. It's just not enough exposure. But it, yeah. Carlton are not playing very well, and and when there's a player that has a really good season, who he is having a really good season, but it just barely gets discussed because they're not really that relevant. Unfortunately, they're not in they're not in contention. They're not winning enough games. And they're not in enough games for long enough to the point that it's worth having the conversation, unfortunately, on a broader even, scale. And they're not even playing a brand of football that's that exciting to watch. Like you see patches. No, it's boring yeah, through bits of it. Yeah. It's, it's very laborious. And if you're winning games, that's fine. People will, will take note. But when you're not winning games and your brand of football's mediocre at best, yeah, who cares? And still... yeah, these players get unnoticed. I still think they don't know when to switch from offense to defense. I still think it really is the similar problem that they had with Brendan Bolton, and that's concerning that that hasn't gone. Just on, you mentioned Harry Mackay a couple of times. I wanted to mention this because it's not really relevant in the next game, but it's very concerning with him while he's having a good-ish season. It is very concerning with him when he's directly in front and has to kick um, Stevie J style. Like, there's a lot of that kind of in his game that is, is really concerning that he has to go that technique regardless, even if he's directly in front. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, you know, looking at it from a Jason Dunstall perspective. It's not – I think if it works, it works. But he, he misses them as well. So it's not like he's Stevie J where yeah. he just kicks them. So it's a bit – I feel like he doesn't have the confidence in his technique, clearly, because he's not he's not um, back himself for, for a variety of set shots. Um, but anyway, so that, look, the, the Carlton are a very yeah. And then with Lejeune this week um, resigning, I, I don't know. It's all very strange there. Like they look okay financially off field now, but I think their age mix is a big concern. Um, and when you've got Walsh playing how well he's playing, you know, Cripps, they can make those adjustments. They, he, it's fixable with Cripps, obviously. I think to get him back on track, and they, they did it with Petrarca and and Oliver at uh, Melbourne. Surely they could they could do it at Carlton as well. So that's this is yeah. the thing. It's very doable. But, yeah, ironically, like Sam, uh, our man, was talking about how influential Choco has been at Melbourne. I don't want to, I don't, like, I don't, I know, like, it's funny because I, I, I 
well, I'm sure at some points through this podcast, I'll be critical of the press and what the coverage they've been around. You know, at the moment, it's all about which coaches. The, the, the machine is turning to try and get a coach sacked at the moment. That's the reality of what, what the of press wants. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they're, they're pumping for. But Teague, I don't, and this is not like, I, I don't I don't know the guy and I don't I don't know anyone internally at Carlton to, to know more but it is a bit odd when you think about it that Choco was was available and they went for, for a pretty untried coach with Teague who to be honest so far it's pretty similar to Bolton it's not quite as confusing but it's not far off really let's be honest has it really improved that much I don't I don't think really much uh, what's conf- what makes it more confusing is uh Walsher coming in to the yeah. well we we can discuss that now i mean like he he seems like the, it, yeah he seems like yeah, the wrong person for that role and he's he's not going to be there surely someone in that role needs to be there it's a lot of money so. it's a lot of money to pay somebody to not be there i mean it just it, it's i mean and he seems like the complete wrong person to advise around what they need to not do i don't, I don't know like it, it seems like a very strange choice um except for the fact that they had a connection when teague was at west coast that's it yeah i mean well, well maybe they work really well together who knows maybe. um yeah well uh, you'd yeah, hope unless so. they start with games it's yeah i mean it's it's a it's a do or die um decision that carlton have gone with because it works oh miracle Greatest call in the world, but if it doesn't work, uh, they're going to get uh, pulled through the mud um, and look really embarrassing. Hundred percent. That and and yeah, I, 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 to me, it's it's you know the house needs cleaning, and, and you also need to build it, and you're hiring at the cleaner. I don't I don't like. There's a need, and they've hired someone that can basically keep doing a lot of what they're doing. It just feels like it's a reassurance hire rather than bringing somebody in the mix. You know, you know, yep. companies do this. We've been in businesses where they'll hire someone that just kind of fits into the same mold that they're already in, rather than hiring someone that can kind of like adjust the mold and make it better. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and, and get someone from the outside of football. So the, mm. I mean, there's pressure on Carlton now that they already have. So it's exacerbated now because Wilsh is a high-profile football person. Mm. Surely, if it's to do with performance and coaching, you can just get a plethora of people from other sports, other industries to help with fresh eyes. This yeah. is a guy, as you said, doing the same thing as he's done. He's not going to come with new ideas and concepts. Uh, Teague worked with him at West Coast, so surely he's already brought those ideas and concepts to his coaching. And um, Exactly. And not not and after having seen Worsfold at Essendon, uh, Essendon like it, do nothing. It's just going to be the same. Anyway, it seems very, very odd. It's a, we, can, we could go a lot further into it, but let's just see what happens. Um, and then, well, that, that Dog-Suns game in round five was was wild because they were up by like 60 by 70 points and then the Dogs just put, took the foot off the gas. But that easily could have turned into like 100. If that was round like 15, 16, when the Dogs like really want to kind of rev the engine and see how fast they can go, that could have turned into 120, 130 points. That could have been really, really pretty nuts. So Yeah, and I was good. Very good wake-up call to uh, Stewie Drew, the players, and everyone in uh, the Gold Coast. Like, even if they play finals, they're that far off contention. It's not funny. No, oh, they're a million miles away. Uh, the Sydney Derby. I mean, yeah, we spoke a bit about it in terms of the inaccuracy. Um, Haynes, yeah, really, game of Swans should have won. Really, well, they blew it in the end completely. Like that, their structures at the end were 
really poor and that, and that completely gave space um and they i mean look i think the giants outworked them late and and sydney did look tired against the gold coast in the next game which we'll get into but um yeah it's interesting i do i'm starting to kind of wonder whether sydney are tiring out but we'll get into that and then the eagles pies um this i don't think it was a great game it was okay i mean to go in how injured um that that really obviously hurt them um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get we'll get into this in both games, but the Darcy Moore experiment, I think, is not not really working. And, and we spoke about Collingwood being such a weird age mix, similar to Carlton. But well, we'll talk about it now, and we'll get into yeah. it in other it's, things in the next game. What, what do you think with the Darcy Moore thing? Oh, it's weird. I, um, I tend to agree with someone I, I have never agreed with, and I don't usually take his opinion, even though he's a was a superstar of the, the game. Um, well, Kerry says he goes, yeah, he might kick three or four, but if the other team kicks five or six, does he stop half of them and then balance out the fact that he stopped the other team from kicking a few goals? He hasn't kicked eight goals or nine goals. He hasn't dominated the forward line to suggest that it's worth. All it is is robbing Peter pay Paul. Yeah. So, yeah, good idea if you've got someone to fill his spot down back, but they don't, and he's an All-Australian centre-half back from last year. So, yeah. look, I, I, I mean, yeah, whether Collingwood and under Nathan Buckley are looking to try and be a bit more attacking as opposed to defensive because that's the way the game's going at the moment. I mean, the top three teams are all very attacking teams and is he trying to move that on a bit quicker because he's been a defensive coach? I don't know. Um, but right now, I've, I was a Collingwood supporter. I'd really want to see Darcy Moore in the back half and less they were starting to get a nice lead and you got the luxury of a f- six-goal buffer, then put him up forward and, and see how he goes. But I for think, now, yeah. you'd rather lose a, a tight, low-scoring game than win a high-scoring game. It's Yeah, it's the same problem that Hock, they had with Essendon had with Hocking a year or two ago. It's not... Um, yeah, you pull him out, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, yes, he can play forward. He's not a natural forward, though. He's not like Tim English or something that was a forward and then ended up being a ruckman. He's never been a forward, so I don't know. I, I just don't think it makes any sense, really. It's 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 frustrating because the problem is that what are they, what else are they going to do? Um, at least they gave it a go. I have to admit, like I can't. It's hard. We can't. I was thinking this about yesterday the other day, and this is very AFL media. Like, we, you can't really criticise them for not having a crack at something and trying to change things up because what they were doing. Because we've kept saying for really two years that they're banging their head against the wall and a lot of what they're trying to do is the same old crap. And then they change something, yeah, and we can't then criticise them for changing them. Exactly. So good on them for giving it a crack, but I, I think he's not, you know, the second coming. He's not going to yabble it out of nowhere. This is not – he's not that guy. So – and and – my check and the other pieces there are not going no, to be. That's exactly right. Yeah, if my check was was an unbelievable joke, like if all of a sudden he he just turns into, you know, the glasser as we spoke about before, um, then mm. then then that would be different. But he, you know he's not. So um, yeah, that's that's yeah, pretty boring keepings off early. I mean, look, the Eagles, you know, they're awful against um, Geelong, but in that game, like Duggan and Redden were excellent. Um, but yeah, weird, weird, weird game, really. And then yeah, so there's no point in what secured. Richmond, Richmond were very good, and secured were very bad. Um, 
It was a piss take of the only game. Two, only two players turned up for St Kilda. I mean, look, it was a, you know you're going pretty poorly when Hardwick is literally running training drills in the game. Like, that's how embarrassing it got. I mean, pick it in the yeah. ruck and, you know, they, they were doing all sorts of, like, scenarios of, like, okay, what happens if, like, Nankervis and Bolter are injured? What do we do? And that's exactly what Hardwick was doing three sections of the yeah. game. Yeah, he was like, okay... Let's say Shane Edwards is out. What do we do for this position? Or let's say Kane Lambert can't play and we're in a grand final. It's deep in the third quarter. What do we do? Do you know what I mean? Like that's 100% well, what they well, were doing. Prime example, prime example, and it's happened now, is um, Dusty is out mm. injured um, and he was testing Shai Bolton through the midfield playing that role. Mm. And he always had an unbelievable year, just on a side note. And he goes into this weekend knowing that he has to do the dusty role for the whole game, basically. Um, but he's going to feel comfortable doing that because, yeah, that St Kilda game in particular, as you said, Hardwick was able to do training drills during the game. Hmm. Ridiculous. Which is just shows how how piss poor. Yeah, that look. We'll get how we'll, dimmer is. We'll get into <laughs> we'll get into Richmond in a minute. Um, but look. Uh, St Kilda just don't have the depth. They, they just, they simply don't have the depth. And they have a number of very C, the sneaky kind of C plus players and a few of these B graders. Um, you know, it's harsh, but like McKenzie is not at AFL level. He gave away so many, so many free kicks. It was so embarrassing. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And we've got to talk about Lynch as well, which you, you called this very early, which I, I now is the narrative around Lynch, um, you know, with him being sort of struggling a bit. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, 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 it's too early in the season, really. I think R- Richmond know what, what's such a long game this is. Uh, you got to have the faith. And the reality is, too, is so their win-loss, just to remind the listener, the win-loss that Richmond are at now is exactly the same win-loss they were at at this stage of the year in 2017 and 2019. So it's not like I don't like that. I don't think it matters at this point. Like as long as they, as long as they look, oh, they would like to finish top four, but I could really see them going through the whole thing at the end anyway. Yeah, unlike other teams that are currently sitting around them on the ladder, they those other teams haven't proven anything mm. over the last few years. So there is pressure on some of those teams, in particular a team like West Coast, who have reverted back to not being able to win away from their home deck. Yeah, that's that, that's that's challenging, and obviously the injuries are piling up to key players for them, so it becomes even harder and harder. Um, but I mean, and we'll probably get into it a little bit more when we we talk about round six, like Nick Nat. Is he fit enough? He looked really sluggish these last two weeks, yeah. um, being able to run around the ground. So, yeah, as he's, I'm not saying he's unfit, but has he got the the engine to, to run out a game like, <laughs> oh, mate, Adelaide like we Wood. saw a few years ago? Yeah, old oh, mate Adelaide Wood, who tweeted out his notes, who said that he was fat and slow. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. got a phone out of that. That was so fucking ridiculous. But this, look, this was <laughs> this was the shittiest display of defence. Um, I mean, yeah, look, if, if, this, if we were doing a full... Review on this round. I would. Oh, really, I would. The bat would have come out. The old bat from two or three years ago that had St Kilda on it permanently. It's had it's had a few cracks, but well, there was that ridiculous stat just before we keep going um, that Fox Footy put up after the game. So from the eighteen minute mark of the second quarter to the twenty fifth minute mark of the third quarter, Richmond won one. Sorry, Richmond won the clearances twenty one to one. 
I mean, they, they, this was just so bad. And, and the recruits were so bad. And, and obviously, Brad Hill's the main one that you have to reference. Like, he just doesn't seem like he gives a shit. Like, it, it is, uh, he is brazenly uninterested. Like, it, it is just such a shock, really. It's a, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting one, isn't it? For the for two years ago, or the last two seasons, chips in about yeah. getting experienced recruits to have a till. Half of them aren't on the park at the moment, or more than, probably 70% of them aren't on the park at the moment with injuries. And the ones that are there, except maybe Ray Crouch at the moment, who's having a try, not playing as good as he did at Adelaide. Barely, sure. though. Um, yeah. not, not on their best players. He's been not, poor. Not barely. Really. Like, if they didn't have the name, uh, like a Brad Hill, they probably wouldn't get a, a look in in the... In, Match day, they'd be back at the uh, VFL level. He was good so, in the West Coast game. Yeah, that's it. it's, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, they're disappointing. So they got what, eight players or thereabouts that they've brought in, experienced players with uh, probably high, high, high uh, salaries to go with that. Um, and it looks like they're probably going to have to go back to the draft for the next year or two. I think definitely. And I think they've made some horrible recruiting decisions. Um, Sydney are yeah. really laughing, really. I mean, Sydney made a couple of moves where, like, dealing out Dan Hanbury, they really got every bit of blood out of that stone because now he can't play. Can't play. He just doesn't play. He's injured constantly. So I wonder whether... $600 a season off their books. It's incredible, isn't it? Like, it's just, yeah, just what a piss take. I mean, the only one that I can think of at the top of my head that's more of a piss take is Trelaw playing for the the top team in the league and Collingwood paying $300,000 of his wage. Yeah. That's, yeah, what, uh, what a busted ass Collingwood up, which we'll get into because I want to talk about the presidency quarter and all this all this shit and then I want to talk about yeah. the Port Adelaide jumper thing. But anyway, so let, let's get into round six. So obviously on, on round six we had the uh, the Giants and the Dogs in the supposed, um, you know, rivalry between these two teams. I know, I know like, I get it. Like 20, that, that prelim in 2016 was one of the best games I've ever seen. It's, a top, I think, a top five game yeah, ever. I think I think it, it it sits only like a step behind. Um, what is it like round? Five? I can't remember finals. now. Like, well, in terms of home and away, well, like eighty nine grand final. Yeah, well, I actually think it's better as a game. I think it's better than the eighty nine grand final. Eighty nine has more more consequence, but I think um, it sits with like that. Is it round fourteen or fifteen of two thousand and nine when St Kilda and Geelong both went into the game undefeated? Both had won fourteen games in a row, and they. Oh. Oh, yeah. And most people consider that to be one of the greatest, if not the best, home and away match ever. And I rewatched it recently. It's actually on YouTube. You can watch the whole game. It's in really good quality on YouTube. Someone's just ripped it. And it's it's sick. It's such a good game. It's funny watching it now. I'm like deliberate and like yelling all the stuff that like all the modern rules now. And I'm like, oh, that, that's irrelevant. But like, obviously, I watched it live at the time. But I'm like, oh, they've oh. actually got a handball. They've actually got a handball now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like in the back, and no, no, no. So there's all these. It's funny, but it, it's such a good game when you kind of go like when your brain tunes back to 2009 football. But um, anyway, but it, it's look, it's a bit billed as a, as this rivalry. But look, the Giants, I think they they had a pretty hard game the previous week and they just look tired they're so reliant on on green offensively they're they're struggling i think uh, tim taranto i think's had a pretty good season um i think there's some pieces there that are better than than we thought once haynes got that injury though they were out of this game and and yeah yeah i i they just they obviously missed it's funny they don't really miss jeremy cameron because he was pretty poor last year but they miss a serious Offensive player, like yeah, 
They ne- they need something. Well, they miss their back half because that's where they've always set up from. So no Hayes and um, and, mm. and Phil Davis not being there already really hurts them. Um, yeah. And and they do look slow without um, guys like Whitfield. Uh, yeah, there. who apparently will be back soon, but like obviously Cornelio's, you know, he's been pretty out of it for a while now. But yeah, they'll they'll get they'll get a few pieces back, but they're, they're not going to play finals. That, that's I'm surely not going to happen. If they, if they do, they're making up the numbers, and I say that respectfully. Um, they do, that from here where they stand, like to get continuity and then to have that real um, air about invincibility that, that that comes with winning. Games regularly from the start of the season. Yeah, you might have some down patches, but they're slowly building it. Again, if they can hold on to the the crop that they've got, they'll, they'll be serious contenders again in a couple of years' time because it's all still a great talent. That that list is still made up of top twenty and top thirty uh, draft picks. Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, definitely. They just need to blood some of the other pieces, but I do. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think they've got a serious forward on their list. So that that's gonna be interesting. I mean I know they've got they've got Jesse Hogan yeah, but I yeah. who is a small to mid size forward. It would have been like Geelong relying on Stevie J all those years. He was great, but he had Hawkins and um a few other big forwards around him that made it much easier. And yeah, that's what Green needs. So then he can play that that role and then go through the midfield if they need him to. And, and Hogan is a Hail Mary, I think. I know they've got Jesse Hogan. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I completely see forgot until someone mentioned it on the on the TV when I was watching. I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's been at least. Well, but, he's actually been in okay form in the seconds. That he's coming back from that injury, and apparently he's actually quite fit. They reckon he actually looks okay. So okay. Yeah, that, that could be interesting to see if that works. But that's, look, he's a very talented kid, but he just needs to apply himself. I know he's had a lot yeah. of – he's had these challenges, obviously, with his health and his father dying and a lot of things that have gone on, but – um, yeah, um, so then this, I mean, yeah, I mean, being away from a, a footy bubble like Melbourne and then, yeah, away, also now away from home pressures, it could, it could be just the, the, the right mixture for him now to play up in Greater Western Sydney. Weird, weird but game, I though. Know, I don't even know what AFL is. Uh, well, we jokes aside, though, we we went to a few GWS games, and there's actually more support out there than than, than people think. They actually yeah, is, they didn't like. They actually use people out there that, that get in. Don't they get members? You know, and there's people turning up. Family, they do the family day really well. I actually, I think it'll, it'll work there. Um, yeah. Weird element to this game, obviously, was the Western Bulldogs injuries. So English was knocked out. Dunkley did his shoulder, and Jong uh, has played 65 games in 10 years or something like something absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. stat like yeah, that. He busted his ass again. So he's he's. He's gone again. I mean, that's that's just such a shit story. The the Jong story, like what a what a sliding doors. Like you know, a few a few years ago, he's like comes off the flag. He gets big offer from Collingwood. He stays for lo- loyalty, and now he's basically played like a, fight, a handful of games since then. Like wow, yeah, like just sad. he's a very talented player. He's like an Isaiah Thomas kind of story. Like just you know was about to sign that big contract and then had the injury and then it just sort of goes away. But, yeah, it sucks ass. I mean, he's still on the list. He's still earning, I'm sure, some decent money at the Dogs. But, yeah. Um, and then the Dogs' mids are just so much better than than the current um, Giants' mids. They're just not that same kind of level. And so much congestion in the first two. It was pretty, it's pretty weird. I don't think this was a very good game. Like, it was billed as this. I think the AFL would have obviously loved it to be in a kind of 2016 classic, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think the dogs are pretty good at this though. I think 
Beveridge is starting to practice another couple of different game styles. I think he's coaching. I think he's the best current coach, personally. I think he's coaching extremely well. I really like what he's been doing over the last few weeks where they were playing basically shoot to kill the whole game and they were tiring out. They're very fit team, the dogs, but they were tiring out, missing a lot of shots towards the end. We spoke about this in rounds one through to four and they were really starting to miss a lot of shots. Whereas I think now he's got them playing like choke the team and congested till they tire out and back their run and then attack. And, and, and he's really figured out when to, when to pull that trigger. Um, and it, it's great. It's really good to watch. It's like a little bit, obviously, like optically a bit boring for the first half of it, but it's interesting. It's interesting. I think they've got such a diverse range of, of game plans. They're obviously such a dangerous side. Uh, they should have got it done in the third, really, the dogs, but still a bit inaccurate, but they won. They don't care. Uh, they've got such a high percentage. Um, it's not like it matters at this point, but... Yeah, and then uh, Cats-Eagles. Wow, what a shit-ass game. I was looking forward to this. I actually was able to watch it. I put the baby to sleep. I was like, okay, like I can actually sit down and watch a game. I sat down. It was a piece of shit. What a rat game this was. Disappointing. Oh. Like, wow. McGovern injured immediately, and then basically, and then it was just the Eagles were you know, like, said, oh, well. As you said earlier, cue in the rack. Yeah. It was a disgrace. No, it's uh, yeah, not 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 a good sign for anyone who's associated with West Coast, especially the fans. Um, <laughs> dismal, dismal, and yeah, uh, it's one of those things that's read its ugly head again. As we mentioned, flat, flat track Billy do not know how to win away from um, Subiaco. Does not bode well for a, a long and deep finals campaign, even if they get there. Well, to back your point as well, which I think you and I have both made this point this year, don't give me this bullshit of that's not us and don't give us that criticism. This is another perfect example of you doing it again. I mean, look, yeah. look they, they were leading at quarter time. Quarter time was 2-3 three to 3-2. Three, they were in front and they looked good. And then the score at half time was 12-4 to 3-3. Three, three. West Coast had kicked... A point. Geelong Crazy. had kicked 10 goals and one point. 10 goals versus a point. <laughs> this is unbelievable. They just got blown away. They're a disgrace after yeah. after quarter time. Yeah, to, 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 yeah, look, injuries make up for a percentage of not being able to beat a team like Geelong, but surely they could have got within 30 points. Um, surely. Mitch Duncan had essentially the AFL equivalent of a triple-double, so he had 20, 26 disposals. Uh, 20 kicks and 13 marks. Guthrie had 35 disposals, 11 kicks and 24 handballs. <laughs> 24. Where are we? Yeah. Um, and then obviously, yeah, Jeremy Cameron, obviously had a very, very good uh, yeah, debut game for, for, for Geelong. Yeah, he had a good game. Very obviously playing against the Witches Hats, but he, he did have a good game. Uh, no, no, because um, normally you would you would have thought exactly that. what you want on your return back to football, <laughs> Witches Hats. Yeah, well, they should have brought him back last week. He didn't play Hats. Um, <laughs> and then Dunk Duncan kicked four as well. I shouldn't forget to mention, but very good mm. spread of goal kickers. Um, there were f- one, two, so five five Geelong players kicking multiple goals. So that, that's always really good. And a bunch. No as well. A bunch got singles. Myers missed a couple. He probably should have kicked, but um, yeah. Look, no, what, what do you say about this? I mean, I, you can't really get a read on either team. The Eagles just thought, well, fuck this. We can't win this game. Let's just essentially 
like Tank and and the Cats were like, well, this is funny. Let's just play an Oz kick team, and then we'd need some percentage. So let's just let's just go nuts. So I think I mean it'd be hilarious. And this guy goes back to what I said about you know the pathetic uh, effort from the Eagles when they completely threw the towel into well not through they 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 well they let St Kilda take the piss out of them at the end. But I think again, if West Coast miss out on a percentage of top four, the game. You fucked it. This is the game. You're in front. You're way in front. You you not way in front, but you were in front of quarter time. You're you're playing well, and they felt like they were on top of the game. I remember quarter time. I was like, shit. I, I should have tipped the Eagles. By the end, I was like, thank the Lord, I didn't tip the Eagles. I mean, <laughs> it was just such a bizarre. Anyway, what a, what a ridiculous. I kind of it was a comedy. Um, this year's been full of a few of them, and then the Suns Swans game. I didn't get to see all of this because obviously like the AFL just hate the fans at this point and just want to play all the games at the same time. So it doesn't give us the opportunity to actually watch them. But I, I mean... Yeah, I was at the work, so I didn't see any of this. Well, the AFL, I mean, at this point, like, and we'll get into it with, with um, you know, Port Adelaide and um, and Collingwood when we, get, when we get to talk about those teams. Mm-hmm. But what an embarrassing organisation the AFL is at this point. Like, they can't control their own their own people. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, another, did you see this week another rules committee has started again? Another committee, another committee, another hocking committee about more rules. And I mean, at this point, it is the most unorganized business I, I can think of. And they can't control their own people. So all the teams have got uh, restrictions on salary caps because of last year. And mm-hmm. here they are mm. employing more people to try and yep. fix something that really should just be left alone because they make it more confusing every year yeah. by bringing in new rules. At this point in, I would say, 10 to 15 years, the game will be pretty much broken because they'll break it and, and they'll change so many things to the point that it will be almost unwatchable. like football anymore. No, it won't. If it, it continues at the rate it. it's going, you can't touch it. Don't look at the ball. Don't, don't touch, touch it. Don't ball. look at the it. The ball is kryptonite. It's don't. kryptonite and you're all Superman. Don't touch it. <laughs> don't look at it. Um, Actually, don't even get on the field. No. Just so, it, it, I mean, essentially, it's basically like I, I want. I'd love to see Working Dog, um, the guys behind Frontline and all that stuff. I'd love to see them do um, a Utopia style AFL house um, mockery show. Would be inc- <laughs> that would be incredible, and I I, I would be. So on board for that. That would be so funny. Watching them in board meetings, spending thousands of dollars on shit that doesn't matter. Like that would be incredible. I would be, I would be so on board for that. Um, anyway, but that what a busted ass. But we'll, we'll get into the the prison bar thing yeah. in a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, good game from the Suns, and yeah, I did say I, I was concerned with Sydney potentially. Not being able to back up week in, week, in, week out and, and, and yeah. starting to slip down, down the ladder as the year went on. Oh, I'm very surprised it was this game, though. Um, I wasn't expecting Sydney to, to A, lose. I, I actually tipped the 20s, I think, for this game. So did I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was the, the fact that it was 40 points is even more, is a little bit more alarming. Um, so hopefully they can um, re uh, readjust for this week uh, coming in and put up a little bit more of a Fire, and I think they will. That that's the long line type of uh, coaching. But there was something about the Suns that gelled really well. They've just got to 
consistently play that type of football, which, again, we haven't seen. So I'm not, not too convinced on the Suns picking themselves back up the ladder uh, as quickly just from this win either. It's a, it's a weird game that the result more than anything, if it was a 10-point game, I'd say, oh, well, yeah, good on you, the Suns, you had a good win, but doesn't mean anything. This probably gives me more uncertainty about where both those teams are at currently. Yeah, it kind of raises, it's one of those games that raises more questions than it answered, but they were very accurate in the first half, 8-2, Gold Coast to 4-4, good kicking is is, uh, good football, obviously, and then three-quarter time, 13-6 to 5-5, so they blew them off the park. Um, It was a really good win, Um, Took Miller's, I think, probably his best game, Um, yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of, a lot of pieces within the Gold Coast that were really good. I guess the question is, the Gold Coast had a win against, I think, a side that played pretty poorly. So I'm not going to take too much into the Gold Coast win as much as, you know, good on them for, for, you know, snuffing out a couple of wins. But at the same time, I'm very disappointed in them at this point. You know, the, the, the yeah, look, the, the, it's been it's too long of mediocrity at this point. I mean, they, they need to they need to show something at this stage. It's like the 7-3 build at the Gold Coast. But in terms of, of Sydney, I want to talk about where they're at. So... Uh, are we? Is this an illusion? Are we? Are they tiring out? Like, has this just been a flash in the pan at the start? They're obviously missing Franklin, which is you know he was playing lights out football. He kicked five straight. He was looking amazing. He's going to be probably gone for another five six weeks at least, and they'll be very cautious, obviously, with him. Do you think that there was just a flash in the pan and they're a year or two away? They're a very good side. I think they will be good, but. Do, do you think that this that, that's it? They'll start to slide down now. Yeah, that hasn't, I haven't changed. My opinion hasn't changed from the start of the year. I thought maybe a little bit further up the ladder, but I would, just just seen it too many years in a row now with these good quality but very inexperienced teams play good football for the first part of the year. Yeah, um, six, eight, ten rounds. They're looking really good, <clears throat> but as we know, especially back to normal quarter lengths. Um, it, you don't have the pre-seasons in you uh, to have that endurance and that ability to, to continue back up week in, week out with the knocks that they get. It, you haven't worked out your recovery regime. Yeah, you've got all the coaches and stuff there, but it's not until you really understand your body. Look at someone like Travis Boak. He, he works with a separate trainer and has studied all these elite athletes that have, have got really long careers. Your, your Brady's... Um, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Luke Hodge in the AFL um, and, and whatnot, and how do they change their preparation and what do they do with recovery? So in, until these young players have five, six years under their belt, it makes it really tough to to keep this intensity of football up right from the get-go. So what, like I said um, at the start, I'm not surprised that the Suns won. What I'm surprised about is the margin, 40 points. That, 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 that says... As you said, uh, raises more questions than answers for both of these sides. You got one side that's like had a really good win, um, but can they kick that accurately and, and play efficient football in the sun? And uh, do the Swans have any gas in the tank, or was it just a, a day off and that nothing clicked? So they come back this weekend and, and play really good football again. Who knows? Wait and see. But I, I still have the Swans in that upper echelon of the bottom eight. Yeah. Maybe about 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think, I, I know I said earlier in the year that I think Adelaide and Sydney are the wild cards for the eight, but 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to think, you know, Adelaide, we'll get into it in a minute, but Adelaide, they, they really blew that game as well. They should have they should have been Hawthorne, without a doubt. Um, that was a complete joke, really. But anyway, um, and then we spoke a lot about a game that we, we both didn't properly see. And then we have also, after that, the Blues-Lions game. So, yeah, what? I mean, look. The Lions really should have won this by a lot more. Um, that was obviously the Neil injury, which didn't help. They're pretty ina- Both teams are pretty inaccurate in front of goals. So it was 12-13 to 15-13. So only really kind of going over 50% and, and under that for, for Carlton. Um, Carlton, as we've spoken about, just don't have the weapons to, to, to win this kind of game against. I think Brisbane are starting to hum. They're taking it very slowly, but I think they are starting to come come good. Um, it's look, interesting. This is a thing. This is a problem for Carlton. This is not a game, regardless of where they were previously on the ladder, that anyone at the start of the year saw this fixture would have penciled them in to win. No. But because they haven't won some of the other games... It just puts more pressure on them. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm like you, mate. I reckon it's taken a little while for Brisbane to to, to start the engine. Um, go to the old car with the carburetor, and it's take you've got to sit in the driveway for about ten minutes before you take it out for a drive. Um, and that may be a result of them going deeper into the finals and starting their preseason a little bit later than they're used to. So, not a bad thing. And the one thing for me at the moment is. While his kicking is inaccurate, Hipwood's being much more consistent week in, week out um, in front of goals. He's, he's he's putting two, three, four goals on, on the board for them. I reckon that really, really helps and it takes a bit of pressure off uh, the recruit and Danaher um, having to kick goals. He can just have a fluky kick from the pocket once in a blue moon and that's his job done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this game. I don't know McKay was good 6-2, but, yeah, I don't know. Carlton, I'm tired of talking about Carlton. It's, it's just every yeah. year. It's the same old thing. They're going to come. The whole time we've been doing this podcast. And a lot longer than that. It's... <laughs> oh, yeah, you yeah. um, have to find that old bat, that wooden bat. Yeah, the old cricket bat. Um, <laughs> Zorko was was good. Um, McCluggage, pretty good too. Lions, I thought Daniel Rich... Uh, earned, earned that he's got a contract extension too, which is great. Uh, he's been really good, but um, yeah, McInerney was good. I mean, I don't know, not much to really take out of this game to be honest. Like nah. Brisbane are a bit better and well, a bit better um, than we thought, and Carlton are, are, are pretty pretty poor. The other thing too is to lose to a team that on a shorter break that played in the wet and like basically underwater against Essendon. The Lions should have been pretty tired at the back end of the game, and they still won. So yeah. Early so in the season as well, it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for Carlton or something like that. So anyway, but yeah, it looks looks good for Brisbane. I think we'll start seeing them probably string some wins together now. And then a game, uh, an interesting game in Melbourne versus Richmond. So eighty-two to forty-eight. Yeah, do you, want to, you want to talk about this, mate? I do. No, I do. I actually tip. Yeah. I tip Melbourne in the end. Um, oh, you did. Yeah, I did. I was sort of a bit up in the air, and then I was like, "No, I reckon they're a better side." And look, I've said this though. I said this before any game was before the first bounce. I was like, "Richmond won't win it this year." I think they'll win another one with this group, but I really do think there'll always be the conversation of you know in history versus you know Brisbane and Geelong and well, certainly I think they'd be better than Geelong by the end of it. But I think Geelong had better better players, obviously, but not not in terms of maybe not in terms of an overall team, but I think I think Richmond will win another one. I don't think it'll be this year. I, I really do think it'll be dogs 
um, Dogs Port, which was the 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 kind of matchup I thought would happen, and then yep. yeah, I, th- I think or, or or you could I could easily see a, a Port Melbourne or um, Melbourne Dogs would be amazing. That that'd be sick. That would be that would be an amazing grand final. But I think in in terms not that Port Port involved wouldn't be, but. I think, um, yeah, I, I just think Richmond win another one maybe next year or the following, and then there'll always be the conversation of, well, how do they compare to these other great teams because they won one, lost it, won two, lost one or two, and then won another one. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think they'll, it'll, it'll be quite a sparse um, set of wins. I think they will win another one, but I think it'll always be like, well, they didn't win them in a row, and but then you can argue that, well, they won the COVID year, but then some people will say, well, COVID year was easy because there's less games. But then some people will say, well, it was harder because you're in a hub. But it'll, there'll always be this. It'll be like Federer's, before Federer won eight at Wimbledon, it'll be Federer's seven versus Sampras's seven. It was always like, well, you know, Federer won the five in a row, but then Sampras hadn't lost as many sets and blah, 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 blah. High, yeah, more aces, like higher serve percentage. Or, you know. And, all, and you know, no, no different to like who's the greatest F1 driver of all time. Like, uh, is it Ed Senna, whose life was cut short, and you look at what he did in that short period of time, mm. was it Schumacher or is it one of the guys coming through now? Like, because it's all very different. Um, so, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, look, let's, uh, let's delve into this game because it was, it, was, it was very interesting. Yeah. It was the uh, first time I'd seen a team do a Richmond on Richmond and, yeah. and, and, and do it really well. What but- had you said, yeah, they did. Yeah, they played Richmond better than Richmond do. I think Richmond were very off, without any doubt. I think yeah. it's hard. So I think I don't want to discredit Melbourne at all. Melbourne were excellent. They've been very good this year. You can only play who you, who you've got in front of you, and they've been very good. I think the alarm bells that are within Richmond's side were shining in this game. So the the bad elements of Richmond's side at the moment were were pretty bad and then on top of it their better elements were really off and obviously dusty getting concussed is you know the worst possible scenario really in a game like this um they played the they played the conditions worse too which i didn't see coming they obviously generally play wet weather really well um the d's were cleaner in the wet they were more efficient and yeah i mean they out richmond richmond which is the way to do it um they did it with that high handball. It, it worked really well. Um, Hibbard really did tag Dusty out of the game, which which worked. It was the worst I've seen Richmond kick inside 50 for a while. Um, Melbourne were just fitter, covering the ground better. Um, I don't know. Richmond looked a little bit tight, looked a bit off, and it happens. Um, yep. Petrarca was excellent. Um, Jackson's really improved. He really adds another element to what happens with Brown and Wiedemann. But they've said Brown's coming back now, which we'll talk about in the preview. But, um, yeah, when Dees defended all over the ground, it was a very four-quarter performance from them. I think it was a really good team game. Um, But it had all the bad elements of Richmond's bad games in terms of, you know, Pickett gave away a free right in front of the Dees goal. And they were actually only four goals down at one point. They were starting a comeback and um, Pickett gave away a really piss poor, really bad discipline um, right in front of goal and just hand, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Viney, just hand, handed a goal that's right, yeah, Viney. to him. So I think that was, um, so that, that's the thing. All the all the cracks were wider, if that makes sense, in Richmond's side. So they had a really bad injury, which just happens. But then they, they, they had the most unorganized insides I've seen for some time. Basher, if he keeps playing like this, there's no way he goes on. 
he was so – I actually took notes in round five. I was looking back over my notes from round five when we had the conversation before. He was re- – like, that's the thing. So, like, the the bad elements shone more. So, like, there was already a problem that he's slowing down and, and Hardwick keeps backing his man. But I, I don't know. He looked really – he looked really slow in this kind of a game against this kind of a side. And football's so fast now. I, I just yeah. don't know. Um, but much better communication from Melbourne – knowing when to switch opponents too. So there was a few moments too where Richmond are very good at this and this is part of their game. And they've been robbed of a few elements of their game. Not robbed, but like they've been taken away from them in terms of, you know, the number one player and the number one team at pressuring the mark prior to the new rules now where you've got to stand still was Richmond by far. And and, and all the players that were top of the list at being really good at that and creating and and, and choking and and, um, creating another stoppage. Um, so often was you know Cochin and all these guys right so it's that that's been taken away right but then Richmond are really good at creating scenarios where there's mismatches all the time they're really good at it. it's a big part of why that that team does what it does really well and there was a lot of moments in the game where Melbourne communicated really well to seeing before the play would enter that section of the ground hang on shit old mates you know, pickets caught on whatever, we need to make an adjustment. They were really, really good at that. And then it's the best I think I've seen May and Lever play at the same time. So I think the synergy is completely working. Um, it was the most selfless I've seen Petrarca play, and he gets more and more selfless every week, which is amazing because he's, you know, an elite talent and probably a top 10 player in the game now. Um, yeah, but, but it, it's hard. Melbourne were very good, obviously. And all the ways I've highlighted, but I think that it was the worst end of Richmond in in a, in a range of ways, and it all at the same time, you're not winning those games. It was a, if it was against a mediocre side, you probably might sneak one, and if it was against a shit side, you'd still win it. But um, yeah, high pressure from Melbourne. And the other thing too, to be fair, in this game as well, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Richmond, but not to make excuses, but just to, to highlight it as well, Richmond were awful in front of goal. I, I haven't heard one person mention this through the week. Um, they kicked six twelve, and they yeah. had some disgusting misses. Like this is the thing, as I'm saying, like all the cracks were wider than they normally would be. You know, it's just some terrible misses um, that you just can't you can't afford. I know Melbourne had more insides, more opportunities. And even if they convert half of that, it's more pressure. Melbourne feel feel it a little bit more in the throat, and I think, well, hang on, that's it. Can we do this? this? Can we get this done? Already two or three goals behind. Uh, we know what they're like. Yeah, all that type of stuff. That's when that pick, yeah, with what said. yeah, when that picket scenario happened, they were four goals down. If they're two goals down, jeez, all, all of a sudden it, the the blood pressure gets higher. You can feel that anxiety get to your neck, and you think, well, "Hang on, yeah. shit." What, and we've seen Melbourne in the past choke in those scenarios. Yeah, I don't think this team will, but you just don't know no, when. One hundred percent happens and hopefully we get to see these two teams go at it again in the in the latter stages of the year maybe a final i'm not sure i haven't looked at the fixture i don't know if they play each other twice but it'd be good if they i play don't think so each other getting the no i don't think so i'm not sure i'm not sure you no. could i, I don't it have be a, nice i can't remember but yeah would, i mean no they're not a um a known rivalry um from history so yeah maybe maybe we'll see something yeah uh, in in September, because I, I, I doubt that two of these teams miss out. Melbourne and Richmond will be there. You can pencil that in, I reckon. So, yeah, look, I, look you pretty much uh, said what I, I would say. Right now, um, I have Melbourne as easily the best defence 
in the comp. They, 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 they just shut teams down. You just cannot penetrate their, their back back half at the moment. It's, it's so well drilled. And now they've just been able to transition that into a very fluent attacking machine, which this time last year we were saying they don't know how to switch from offense to defense or defense to offense. They look very stagnant. They've, they've really ironed that out. And that has come down to that that midfield not playing hmm. selfish football anymore. They're, they're, they're the link-up. They're, they're, they're winning it hard and giving their um, forwards the opportunity. Yeah. And if it happens to go through the, their back half, they're, they're, they're running in packs and, and pressuring and, and hmm. getting it um, at both ends. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking really, really good. And then, obviously, haven't got, haven't got space for their two big uh, key forwards at the moment. That's a nice luxury to have. Although and- I think they'll squeeze them in this weekend. And 100%. And, and the other thing, too, is in 2019, Melbourne's positioning was so bad in terms of their structures going forward or back, but primarily going forward. They were always caught out in the wrong positions constantly. It was so frustrating. Their their zones were constantly completely unorganised. And it, anyway, we, we went through that in past episodes. But in 2020, their zones were better, but then their kicking accuracy was piss poor. But then now with Choco coming in, Mm. That that's as Aman told us. He, he reckons it's completely. He's the main reasons it's been completely fixed up. And as a result, now they've got the zone working properly. They've got Petrarca exactly where they need him. They've got Salem there. They've got Oliver here. They've got that back up. They've got this defense here. They've got this to be here. This all the chess pieces are there, and now they can actually kick it to each other properly, and yeah. and know exactly where to drop then it. Yeah, yeah, it's all it, where to run to. Yeah. yeah, it's all about so much of so much of Melbourne's problems were positioning structure. and yeah, but so much of it constantly was structure and and it, we always talked about the disconnect between the forwards and the mids, but it, it was it was yeah it was so unorganised offensively as we spoke about over and over. But it, it, look, it all worked. The other thing too is a few things. Um, look, there's no doubt Lynch is clearly out of form and he's been really highlighted this week. I you know. Old mate drunk Robbo did a um, an article in the Herald Sun about you know he's being paid eight hundred thousand to do nothing, and it's like well I think they won twenty nineteen flag pretty much because of Lynch but anyway, um, yeah, two, two years two flags no it's it's pretty pretty easy to talk a player <laughs> like Lynch down six rounds into a, to a season. Um, well, you highlighted early you you did call it early not not in a you know embarrassing way like he did but you you did say. That he's a bit out of form, um, which he is. But there, there, there's a few of them. I think Cochin, it's not just Lynch. Cochin is really out of form. I, no. I think his pressure acts are just not there. Um, yeah. I think he's playing. He's playing too much of an inside role at times. I think he's much better on the outside. I, I don't know. It's funny. Like, I'd be, it'd be fascinating to see now without Martin what what they do. And I think you're right with that. What you said earlier about Shy Bolton. That's the other one that might be. Bit bit iffy, and they're important players. Um, link up Lambert, I mean, it's just running capability. And this is the other thing like, unless you really get a chance to watch and analyze the game plan and what's going on of one team, I mean, Dim is pretty smart. He, he, he knows that he's got to change what won him a flag last year and, and, and the year before because of the rules, like you highlighted. So, for all we know, the fact that Lynch is not playing his best football might be a result of things within these early games that Dim is trying to work on. So come the back half of the year and as they move into finals, they've got these little systems in place and 
the running patterns between him and uh, Rewalt become better because they know what's going on further up the ground. Um, because he doesn't look like he's injured. Um, he's getting to contests. He's just not marking. And whether that's fatigue or, or whatnot, yeah, I'll back him. I still reckon he's going to kick 30-odd goals. I just think he'll have a better back half of the year. I think there's something else going on. I don't think it's just him um, having a bad bad trot. Obviously, Rewalt had a really good start two, two, three weeks, so he doesn't need to kick goals if Rewalt's on it. So, yeah. yeah. I think you don't see many games where, you know, Bolter and Lambert were just really pretty non-existent uh, and Lynch really poor to 11 disposals, no score. Um, yeah, no, nothing really. Um, but, yeah, look, Richmond were poor in the night, let's be honest. But um, Melbourne were very, very good and not taking any credit away. I think Richmond played the best that they've played this year. I still think Melbourne might have just pipped it, but it would, it would have been very, very tight had, had Richmond played at the peak of their 2021 yep. football, which is not, you know, anywhere near the, the peak of, of the... I think I, I really do think the best game they played was last year's grand final, this Richmond team. To, to be that... And watching the game again particularly... To be that far down, those two games in a row, the Port Adelaide prelim and then the and then the Geelong Grand Final, were, were two, they came from behind in both of them, were two incredible, you know, absurd. And that's the thing. They'll take it, even if they lose it this year. To have, um, to have done that was, was pretty yeah. pretty absurd, uh, particularly in those conditions with COVID. Anyway, but it, look, I'm not worried about Richmond. It's too, it's too early, so early. Like, it, we've had, as I said earlier, we've had this exact same scenario in other years, so... But I, but I really do believe Richmond will win another one at, at different times. Um, Frio and North, not much to take out of this game. Obviously, North not very good. Frio, as we spoke about earlier, the real sleeper. Um, Brayshaw and Sarong, I mean, like, I, I, I did watch this game and I, I actually quite enjoyed it. It's another, like, weird one too. Fife. Just I wanted to mention this because we didn't do round five review. Fife. He kicked, like, 0-6 or 0-7 and this week he kicked 0-4. What's going on? Yeah. Like it's it, funny that there was an article on um, the best debut of players at currently at current teams that are currently playing, and for Fremantle it was five um, in his first game, but he kicked one four. So it's not something new. Um, <clears throat> this yeah. is something he needs to rectify. But the whole team do. They've, yeah. they've kicked more points than goals in every game so far, or every game bar one so far this year. Okay. All behind the goals. It's only going to last so long with those wins. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's. Uh, yes. that, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's it's um, it is it is playing with fire doing that for sure. Um, but it's a nice luxury that Fremantle have got that they could just put arguably one of the top three players in the comp. Ah, uh, say it full four, mate. Just do your best. Kick points. We'll get us young kids. We've got the midfield sorted. You're all right. You old man, go relax. Kick a heap of points. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but look, yeah, look, Frio led the entire game. Nothing to take out of this. North are, are, are very poor. Um, no, sorry, like for every team that plays North I think this year, I don't think we're going to be delving too much into the games. No, I think, yeah. It's too hard. Like North Melbourne <laughs> are bad. I think but the, the problem as well is like most of our listeners, this is not, and the North fans will get mad at this, but like most of our listeners just not that interested. No, so well, let's be honest, we probably don't have a lot of North fans. Um, anyway, so look, I thought Sarong was great. Mundy's having, yeah. we haven't spoken about Mundy. Mundy's, 
Wow, old man, he's, old man Mundy. Is he? Is he got a? Is he got an AA jacket half on half on a shoulder at the moment? He's been playing some very very good football. Benjamin Button, he's back. Uh, Benjamin Mundy, but um, Schultz, Schultz was really good as well. Um, but yeah, look, you know, not not much. Z, Zebel, Cunnington, they were good, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're not going to get bad games from Zebel and Cunnington. Let's be honest. No, they can't. They they cannot win a game of football just those two. So, no, long um, season ahead off Melbourne, and yeah, look, Fremantle keep winning these games at home, and then as you said. At the start, they can sneak a couple of away wins. Who knows? And then there's no pressure on this. There's no pressure on this Fremantle no. team to go anywhere. And they're just yeah, the little sleeper, as you said. Maybe um, they're the wild cards rather than Sydney and um, and Adelaide. Maybe Freo are the funny ones. There's always yeah. a one team. There's always one team that does something funny through the year. Yeah. So we'll keep keep an eye on the the Dockers. And then another yeah, we, funny old game. Yeah, we get them in a time slot that we can watch them. No, exactly. Always Sunday, Mother's Day. They'll have the Mother's Day slot. And then the other one too um, on the Sunday. So I went to a pub to watch the Anzac game, but we got there basically as the Hawks crow started. So we were there pretty much like for five or six hours. And um, the people we were with were there was a some sort of USC thing going on. So I, I, there was they were watching the big screen, and I was obviously keeping an eye on the football. And, you know, you can't sort of just, you know, in a social thing, you can't just ignore them and say, you know, can you be quiet? I'm trying to watch the football. So I'd kind of keep going back and forth. I look at the screen and it's like Adelaide, three goals, no points. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. I look back at the screen a little bit later, six goals, no points. I'm like, oh, jeez, wow. Look at the screen later, 10 goals, no points. I was like, wow, Fred Fanning, eat your heart out. And then John Coleman, see you later. And then, and then a little bit later, look back at the screen. Fifteen goals, no points. I was like, "What is happening in this game?" And then I, I subsequently watched it that that night properly because I was, they you know, could, couldn't miss, could not miss. So they, I think they kicked, I think they kicked sixteen because they kicked fifteen goals, and there was a rush behind. Yeah. Whether, whether that counts as a as a behind, and then they kicked. Well, I know it does, but like you know what I mean. They they didn't kick it, and then I think it went to sixteen. It was sixteen, and then there was sixteen two, and then. But they blew the game. They completely blew the game. They had control. Um, oh, Matt Riley, wow, amazing. That that well, that front on contact at the end. I don't think. I don't think should have. I think that was pretty suspect. Very very lucky, very, very lucky to, to get that Hawthorne. But um, I want to talk about Hawthorne in a second. Just just with Adelaide for a second. So because there's a big discussion with Hawthorne. Essentially, I want to talk about over the last few weeks, which we've not spoken about. But so Crows. I mean. Did you see this whole sub thing with Tom Lynch? So Tom Lynch, so so they had an injury, right? And they had to bring Tom Lynch on, who wasn't ready to play, who wasn't yeah, even, yeah. He wasn't he even was dressed. Yeah, he was out the back, Kevin. Siggies, yeah, Siggies, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, crazy. I mean, this 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 seems so bush league. It's not even funny. I mean, it, it was to the point of like. Almost like it was a send-up. Yeah. We know we're in Tassie, but seriously, it's an AFL game. It's being televised on Fox. Um, you know the protocols. Like, you can come on at any time as to injury sub. You, you got, should be ready. And, and who's looking on? I mean, they're grown adults. Who Do they need a minder? Like, it's just bizarre. It seems incredible that there's that level of unprofessionalism. Does it make, does it, make it hard for him to negotiate for contracts now, moving forward? Who? Like, Lynch. Lynch, yeah. yeah, he's ultimately responsible for being ready on the bench. Probably should be on a, um, a, a 
stationary bike keeping his legs warm just in case something like this happens. He's not even there. I think it was dressed and ready to go. I think it's one of the most unprofessional things I've seen in 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 a, in a game sense. You know, not maybe he's applying for a job at uh, AFL House. Yeah, well, he 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 may. You know, like just let West Coast roll all over you. You know, well, let Collingwood <laughs> take the absolute piss out of you. He he would love. That. He'd be really good at that. Um, so that's obviously you know Adelaide blew the game. Um, it felt like they wanted to not win the game anyway because they they had no sub ready and I didn't even I didn't even know what to make of that to be honest. I I did therapy to kind of go through that. But then in terms of Hawthorne, so it was posed last week in some of the various like football shows and stuff, and I'm really interested to get your opinion on this. I think the Hawthorne kids look good. I think some of the kids look really good. I think CJ is one of the stories of the year. I really, really like elements of Hawthorne's game. Obviously, they're missing a lot of pieces, and obviously the age gap's you know a bit funny and whatever. But do you think, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this, do you think that Hawthorne are a victim of... This was posed a couple of weeks ago, and it's kind of been an ongoing discussion. Do you think Hawthorne are a victim of having still probably one of the best coaches, if not the best? I mean, look, historically, obviously, but like currently the best coach, very good coach. Do you think they're almost a victim of having such a good coach that they keep cracking out these wins when like they could really be, you know, getting higher draft picks, they could really be you know, developing other kids and, you know, getting some lessons in there. I mean, he's won a couple from the clouds this year, and it does make me think... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm on the fence because I can kind of see I can kind of see both elements, right? But do you think they're almost like is it almost a bad thing that he keeps cracking these wins? But at the same time, because so well, you 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 go first and then I'll tell you what I think. It, it, it's a it's a very strange conversation because it's like how can it be bad they're winning? Uh, yeah, and and couple of gentlemen, um, a one didn't do a, a stupid. Stupid, stupid thing. Um, and the other one. Oh, we haven't had this conversation up, yet. If his if his body had it held up, people go on about all these draft picks. Um, <laughs> Hawkins list has about four, one and two pick draft picks. They just got them from other clubs. Yeah. So, does getting early picks in the draft at your club straight away? or snatching them from other clubs make any difference? Mm, I don't know. So O'Meara, um, Patton, and Scully, all number one picks. So there's three that we didn't have to worry about. Someone else took care of them, and yeah. then we got their bodies right and come in. So part of me sits there and goes, well, we did. We just bought our time to get a top draft pick and let someone else do all the work um, and lost games while we were winning flags. Um, my memory is pretty good when it comes to what Clarkson was doing with a team on the that was very young before 08. And I see lots of some similarities. Like he's got the pieces in play, have the last few drafts, wow. had players at the top end that would work at Hawthorne. Do they need them? Who knows? Um, irrelevant. They're going to get a high pick again this year. They're not going to finish higher than 15th, let's be honest. <laughs> They're going to have some wins. So got some good players um, in the last two draft picks, our uh, last two drafts. So I love Hawthorne optimism. I know a lot of AFL fans don't like it, but I, I think it's hilarious. Like you guys could be like halfway on the West Gate and you'd be like, oh, well, Clark knows what he's doing. No, I, I'm joking, but like it is. Yeah. Well, it's hard not to. Yeah, we've had, 100%. And, yeah. and this is not being like a typical arrogant Hawthorne supporter, <laughs> but we don't know what it's like to bottom out for long periods of time. 
So it's hard not to be optimistic. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I'm with you. It's just it's not hard, you know, especially with Clarko in, in charge and, um, yeah, just obviously biding your time and it, it's nice to see him not punching holes in walls. Um, he looks like he's enjoying sure. the role. He does look like he's yeah, really uh, happy at the moment. Yeah, and, the, and there's a system. In, you can see there's a system. He's got a system in place and they're all trying to work with it and, I mean, a couple of season players at either end back. Unfortunately, Sicily's a little bit longer away, but to have Sicily at the defensive end and Gunston in the forward half, again, that just to calm the ship when things are going a little bit astray. Um, so, yeah, look, oh, I think we both said at the start of the year Hawthorne will probably win more games than they did last year, but theoretically they're not playing finals um, this year. They, they just don't have the... Ex- well, at one end they've got half a dozen players that have got all the experience in the world, um, but then the rest of the team have barely played together. So, yeah. Oh, look, Clarko will do what Clarko will do with him and his team. Um, if they finish fourth bottom and they get pick four, awesome. But if he can pick a 24 or 25-year-old in trade that fits the mould of what he's trying to achieve and they can move the pieces in a way that works... He guarantees he's, he's he's going to do that as well. So yeah, 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 and that's that's just the Clarko way. Thirty-two points, they still won. Thirty-two points, they were down. Thirty-two points, they were down. They still won. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, and they could have blown the margin out if they had a kick straight in the last quarter too. Yeah. So yeah, look, it was an entertaining. I I I was I was at my nephew's footy and. I hope he's not listening, but I was listening to the game just as much as I was watching him play, <laughs> which is funny because they had a really good tussle as well. He uh, he had a chance to sorry to segue. He had a chance to kick the kick a winning point or a goal with like ten seconds left, and he, his kick fell just shy. So they had a drawn game, and they, obviously he's a Hawthorne supporter as well. And I had to tell him to go. We're only three points up, and there's two minutes to go. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's not going to be like me. You know, I hope not. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so, um, yeah, look, oh, I don't know. There's always going to be talk. It's funny, Hawthorne get talked about even if they're – they could be in North Melbourne's position and people will be going, what's Clarky going to do next? It's hilarious, this this circus that's been created around well, the, the, the hall because of Clarko and his ability to make something out of nothing. Well, he's he, he he's the modern Barassi jeans – you know, he's shady. Like you've said a million times. Yeah, he is. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And and he, he's the only icon coach currently coaching. I think. I, I think in time, Hardwick will keep building his legacy and, and be in that mix. But I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think yet. I know it's only one flag less, but. Clarko's, you know, another, an extra grand final. Clarko's taken the five grand finals, which obviously is a lot. Um, 2011, you know, only a kick away from it as well. Um, could easily have been six. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, anyway, but look, yeah, absurd game, hilarious game. I mean, it, like, it was, it was a bonkers thing to watch. I watched it properly that night, and, and yeah, it was yeah. absolutely bizarre. Um, and Adelaide, well... I don't, I don't, just don't even know how to how to compute what happened there. Um, and then the Anzac Day game, I actually thought was probably the best game of the round and probably the best game of the last probably two, probably since we've spoken really. Like I don't think there was any really great games since we reviewed round four. 
um, which the Sydney Essendon game was really good in round four. The Port Richmond game was amazing. That was that's probably the best. That's probably the yeah, last great game. Um, but yeah, I, this was look really really impressive. Um, Parish was fantastic. Let's um, let's do Essendon first. Um, obviously, Heppel was really good in his return. Uh, Merritt fantastic. Um, yeah, look, it was very great. Very good. Amazing to yeah, hundred percent. It was amazing to see what kind of at least looked like a sold out crowd. I know I was seventy nine thousand. But or something like that. But I mean, in what has been such a bastard year for Melbourneians, particularly that you know we are like it was. It really was. Um, it did feel like the city was back. I mean, I, I know you know for interstate listeners, I get a bit sick of this. But you know, it, AFL is so intrinsically embedded in society country. here. Yeah, and, and I know it is in the south through all the southern states, really. But it it really is like you know, so many teams here, and it's such a big part of who we are. And to see you know nearly eighty thousand people be silent through that period, and it it it, it hit home more than the Anzac message and everything around that obviously because that obviously is a huge part of the day and it is the day but i think it, it, there was that also um it kind of it, it did really give you chills it read in, in another kind of element because we had such a difficult year we were locked down for you know basically three times longer than anywhere else uh in australia and it was yeah it was amazing to see like it, it did feel like the city had its heart beat back in a way um, yeah, and, and as far as the, um, the the camaraderie and the spirit behind the AFL grew out, grew out of the VFL, um, so it is slightly different to the other states in that sense. Yeah, and really, we're not the only only type of um, sport that you hear about where the the supporters are that loyal and passionate is in particular. European football, in particular um, English football, for the same reasons that it was born born out of this work. A lot of the working class um, cities like Liverpool, Manchester, uh, Tottenham, these places, and that that's all they had to enjoy for many many years. Um, um, and you see that now that, that they get together and they band band together. Um, you saw them. Going nuts at the idea of this super league, um, and that's the type of thing that we have down here um, in Victoria, is because most of the clubs are Victorian based, and there's this history that goes back a hundred years. Um, and to have that not be available for the first time for majority of the season, um, yeah, to have see seventy, eighty thousand people at the MCG, regardless of who you barrack for, was just a great sign. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was eerie and, and, and electrifying all at once. It was, it was what AFL is all about. And it was really good to see that, yeah, probably one of the better games um, that we've seen, probably top four, five games this season so far. Definitely. I mean, it's always what you want in these big blockbusters like Anzac Day or Easter Monday or whatever the case may be. But in particular, this, this, this game, especially what happened over the last 12 months. Hundred percent, and and you know we, we often reference the NBA, but like as a sport, they're still playing in front of empty stadiums. Like this, yep. this is this is you know amazing that Australia's in a position that while we're not able to vaccinate anybody at any level rate, at least you know the 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 disease is is pretty um, minimal here. So yeah, that that anyway. So it's hard hard not not talk about that sort of off the top, but. 
yeah, look, I mean, it, it, it's such a tradition in Melbourne. Um, I was with some people that, you know, on the day that were, you know, more Sydney-based and I was like, you know, it, it is a huge part of, you know, the culture here, Anzac Day, and it's something that I think, you know, everyone, I think Australians should do. I think, you know, going to the shrine in the morning, it's something that I think is, you should do at least once. I think go to the shrine first thing, you know, and really soak that experience up and, 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 and pay your respects and then do the walk through St Kilda Road, have sort of a brunch in town and, and then, then go to the game. It's a it's a fascinating and and really um really interesting way to spend the day and it's yeah, I think yeah, it just sort of felt like we got our, our city back in a way. Um but anyway, it's a it's a it's just such a big part of the calendar here. So um yeah, but anyway, the game obviously was was great. Um <laughs> We'll talk about Collingwood in a minute, and we, we've got to do the the the, the prison bar thing. Hey, the bomb race, the bomb race. Well, bomb race were, were really good. I mean, old mate, two meter Peter, all of a sudden looks like he might might maybe come finally good. Um, talk about number one or number. I don't know if he's number one. He's a very high pick though. But Laverde yeah. was really good. I thought Hind was really good. The kids looked really good. Um, McGrath was was impressive as well. Um, I, I think Tip and Woody should have won. The medal, five goals straight. I mean, I know Parrish was was excellent, but <laughs> Parrish, he owned that ball. I know, I know. He, he, you know, he was very, very good. 42, 20, Well, he had a triple double basically. Forty two, twenty four, and eighteen. So yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty. No, you're probably right. But like, I, I think I wanted Tip Moody to win it. I liked Tip Moody. I would have been great if Tipper and he almost had a chance to kick a six in that final quarter. I think it would have been pretty hard then. It's like, well, do you give it to the guy who kicks six straight? Like, that's a phenomenal return. And he's been pretty quiet this year too. So, mm. but look, hats off. I mean, a couple of great um, moves, obviously. Parrish, you can tell that's where he's meant to play is in the midfield. He, he, 100%. He's, he's, he's lost on a wing or a, a flank. It doesn't, it doesn't suit his style of football, which is fine because they've got enough mids to, I mean, Devin Smith doesn't need to play in the midfield all the time. Uh, Zach Merritt, he'd be amazing off a flank uh, on the wing. Um, uh, Heppel obviously has, has gone back to that flank position, but the the move of uh, Laverde into the back half rather because he was been a forward uh, since he arrived at Essendon, but um, big big truck put him down the back and he, he looks comfortable down there. Uh, I thought that was a great move, and he obviously had a really good game as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, oh look. Merritt was excellent in his, you know, contract year. <laughs> That's going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah, look, I think I, I, it's funny because I, I, I don't feel like I could talk about it too much more because we kind of have done this. I think Essendon are, are better than people think they are um, yep. and, and and it worked. So, now Collingwood, let's, 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 was Essendon, I think well, well, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be times to wear Essendon. So, I think Collingwood, we, we need to do this. So, well, how do we even start this? I mean, so they they had no one defensively to deal with Tim Woody at all, which is a massive concern. Defensively, as you already were, you know, pointed out earlier, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul with more, it, it's still all the same issues. I mean, I think, do you, do, well, do you think, so let's say, so Collingwood now, right? Let, let's let's talk big picture, right? So Collingwood have got the goal. Let's say they lose to the Gold Coast at the G in round seven. Highly likely. Yeah, I think that that could happen. Let, let's say the Gold Coast lose. Let's say the Gold Coast beat Collingwood, yeah. right? 
Let's say that happens. Can, can Buckley, do you think he then just says, forget it? I actually kind of get the vibe that he that he's, he might leave. Like, he might just go, well, I've got plenty of other things I could do. Well, I mean, what, what do you... Well, after what he said this week, hmm. that uh, there's what Nathan Buckley wants, but ultimately what's the highest priority is what's the best interest of the Collingwood Football Club. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about my contract until the end of the year. And then the board's saying exactly the same thing. He has pigeonholed himself that if they lose, whether it's this weekend or if they lose three of the next four, he has to then, by his own admission, step down. Yeah. He said that the best interest is Collingwood, not him. So, yeah, interesting interesting words that he, he, he said in, in the press conference. and But, yeah, it's... I didn't see Collingwood being this low on the ladder, but I had him not playing finals. I knew they were going to slip. They were my biggest um, drop uh, for the year, but this is catastrophe written all over it. I think we can't not talk about... Uh, I, re- I know it's hard because this does affect the game. I think Mark Corder, who's the new president, right? So Corder had this whole scenario now where Corder's come out and said, well... We could play finals. I think that's a massive lease. I mean, he is a terrible media performer. Eddie, no matter what, there'll always there'll be the ghost of Eddie for twenty years. I think the reality uh, is, Eddie, yeah. Eddie, no matter what you think of him, at his best is a very good media performer. At his worst, he comes across racist, right? But at his best, he's actually quite good. He's very good at spinning things. He's you know he's got a lot of big business deals done. He you know. Regardless of whatever you think of him, he, he can talk the talk, and, and, right? And rightfully so. He's a trained journalist, so 100%, he should yeah. know how the media that works. And, 100%. And, yeah. yeah. He can grease palms. He rubs shoulders. He knows what, he, oh, absolutely. He, yeah, he's, yeah, he's very, very... And, and, he, and reality is he's, you know, he's a kid that came from literally poverty line in in Broadie, and now he's, you know, he's, he is a very successful guy, right? So that, that we all know the story. But the reality is he... So now Corder... Is someone that is is I think has been terrible in the media so far. Like, and that's like you know a guy that's just starting out. I don't want to bake him that hard, but you know he already has got the messaging completely wrong. With he and Graham Wright are not on the same page. At least pu- at least publicly, Graham Wright will be going. Uh, can I go back to Hawthorne? This is not what I signed up for. Or Graham Wright will back the Brown and or other people's um, challenge at Collingwood and, and and top quarter. I think that's a big chance that could happen. Anyway, we'll this, this is not that this is not that kind of podcast, but I, I purely no. wanted to just raise it because it, I think it does affect on field to a degree because I, I really do find messaging when it's that inconsistent um, off field like that to be pretty concerning. And I, th- I think the players do find that problematic. I, I really do. And having had the kind of conversations we've had with Sam, I think that's absolutely uh, a thing. I think as much as yeah, people absolutely. say, well, they don't care, that, that's not true. And being a Hawthorne supporter, it was only two years ago where they left the um, present role empty for a period of time. So it has to have an effect on the playing field. That's the top person. It has a flow and effect. You might not think directly. And the same thing's happening in Collingwood, like not having anyone in Eddie's role for a month or five weeks or whatever it's been, has shown that you have played horrible football because there's got to be someone controlling the club. It can't be expected to be done by someone below that position. It has to be the president. Um, so, 
it'll be interesting to see how the next month goes um, and whether there's a, yeah, um, a change or whether things settle down. But, yeah, a lot of pressure under Buckley now. And to be honest, we cannot talk about this with the game, but same old issues, a lot of the same issues with Collingwood, obviously. So, you know, more, all that, you know, we spoke about, you know, the lack of um, synergy that he really does have forward uh, in the last uh, round discussion, but at the same time, yeah, I, I, a lot of the same issues. I will say, though, Collingwood's kids, what, what do you think about them? I actually think they look okay. I, I actually... Oh, there's the future there, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got some great players coming coming through the ranks. It's just right at the moment. Oh, the same, same as you said, like there's the same issues. They haven't actually resolved the deficiencies in place and they offloaded some players that really helped fill some of those holes to, to a small degree. But until they identify a, a key forward that is a forward, um, has played the game all his life, and trying to pigeonhole someone into a role because they they got the right body shape or whatever, that's number one. And then Mike can go back and play his position at second uh, at centre half back yeah. in Darcy Moore. And there, there's some balance because obviously they're going to get another day cost there next year, um, and they'll top up that midfield. And yeah, I mean they've got some like Quainer, what an excellent yeah. player he's become. He's been good this for year, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, look, they're not going to bottom, bottom out. It's one of those clubs, a bit like Sydney, that they're, they're going to have a pretty bad season this year. Um, but I expect that to be fixed pretty rapidly, whether it's from a change of coach or just the development of these younger players because they are looking pretty good and the older players are ready to, to handball or hand the baton on. Like, Pendlebury is still playing good football and, and whatnot, but you can see he's ready to not be... The number one guy anymore. Just give it to someone else. So he could probably do a boke. Well, Trelaw, but oh, whoops. Um, <laughs> damn. Um, so, oh look, I, I think they are a contractual mess, Collingwood, and I think they are completely caught in, in a rip in terms of their age demographic. I think it's really funky, and and it's really off. Kilt, I really don't think it matches, and I I think when Dugowie had currency, I think they would have been better to have traded him. I really I really do. I, I, I he's not there anyway. I, I think yeah, I think yeah, and I think they really did let Adelaide and Grundy's manager take the absolute piss out of them, and they signed him for this disgusting deal. Which it's funny, like we haven't spoken about this, but this is this is a long conversation. But very briefly, like these pre-COVID deals, because I think these kind of like lengthy deals we're not going to see for a long time, right? But I think these, you know, sickening pre-COVID deals of seven years, sickening money, like it's going to haunt. There'll be there's teams that they that they'll be haunted by some of these deals. There'll be other ones that oh, pop yeah. up too. There'll be other ones where a player will get injured for ages, and we'll be like, wow, what a old pre-COVID deal. Um, it's weird because I remember the AFL talking about, like this is sort of the part of the Bush League conversation, but we, there was talk about, you know, them, them redoing all, all, which makes sense really because the whole cap's changed and everything's changed and, you know, not redoing it to the point of like scrapping it, but like at least like people that are on like five, seven, six-year deals to be like, well, you know, it's going to have to be four. They introduced a salary cap 
Well, why can't they introduce a contract cap? Yeah, well, there's been we've spoken. I've made I've made this point over and over on this podcast, and we've spoken about this for ages. I, I can't. It sh- there should be a cap of five years on contracts. It's that simple. Yeah. The only reason the AFL doesn't do it is because, in my opinion, I think I think they think that a North Melbourne, as an example, were a chance to get Dustin Martin because they offered him seven or eight years or six years or whatever, or seven or eight years, what some not eight years, but like something crazy, right? So six, I can't remember, six or seven years, right? Oh, on massive money. And it ended up being like two point, it was like $2.2 million, the deal, more than the Richmond deal. It was, a, it was a, a lot more, right? Yeah. And he turned it down. So I think, I think the AFL think, which is, you know, beside the point, but I think the AFL think that if they don't ban the beyond, this is pre-COVID obviously, if they don't ban the beyond five, maybe a trash team could pick up one of these kind of guys and then completely transform the team. But I, I, firstly, AFL doesn't work like that. It's not like you can pick up LeBron. LeBron goes to most teams and changes the whole team. I, I don't think the reality is in the AFL, it's, it's, it, we've spoken this over and over again, it's just not the realistic nature of our sport. Um, and for a whole raft of reasons, and yeah, you gotta have three, four, five A graders. Yeah, and then you gotta have a really deep B, B list mm. for it to work. It's a big field. It's a very, very, very different game. Yeah. And, and the reality is, like, it's not a matter of Dusty just taking the ball out of the center and just kicking goals. It's 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 much harder than that. So I think, anyway, look, it's a long yeah, conversation. Steph, Steph Curry can shoot three pointers from the other back half of the court. Like so, you can't kick a goal from the yeah. same square, let alone a 50 mark for most players. So, so I think that's yeah, why. I yeah. really think that's why. I think they think that if they leave that door open, it means that a club that has that's at the bottom of the ladder, that has a lot of room in their salary cap, that they can offer huge money to um, a player and try and attract them. So I think that's exactly why they do it. Anyway. Well, well yeah, well, that probably... Because uh, it backfired. Would have been a good idea had they done that, because North Melbourne wouldn't be the basket case that they are right now. Well, this is this is the irony is that that they <laughs> yeah so <laughs> that's the irony of it all is yeah. is that the AFL as usual shoot themselves in the foot. Um, that that's another long conversation. But imagine, it, imagine the players that uh, the the Gold Coast Suns could have retained. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, back to the let's get back to what game was it? Anzac. Anzac. Just, just on this because we had a lot of questions during the week about this. What, what do we think about this? Do we want to even comment on this prison bar Guernsey scenario? This fight between Collingwood and Port. I mean, now that Eddie, now that Eddie's not in the picture, surely, like it's childish. Just Port Adelaide. As long as they're not playing Collingwood, let them play in that Guernsey. Like it, they've had it for as long, if not longer. It's. Yeah, I just don't get it. It's a Guernsey. I think... FFS. Yeah. I can see different sides of the argument, though. What I will say is that I'm very tired of, of the discussion. I think it's it's getting to the point of pretty childish. And I, I I think the AFL... So the AFL came out today and said that if Port turn up this week wearing it, they'll be deducted four premiership points. And I think that's... this This just completely backs up my ongoing campaign of how pathetic the AFL is as an organisation and how insanely weak they are. They, they are a piss-weak organisation that are run by their own businesses 
I mean, it, it at this point, it is so ridiculous. I mean, this, this goes back into what I said the last time we recorded a few weeks ago around me wanting to put up a sign in front of AFL saying, do you guys realize that you own the clubs yet? Like, you, you know you own them, don't you? I mean, it is unbelievable that they let these two kids in Port and Collingwood play and, and, and run around and cause all the problems that they've caused. But regardless, they come out with this ludicrous statement. I mean, I, 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 I'm speechless at this point. I, I, I could, every day, more, more and more uh, evidence comes to support my theory that this is a league that is, you know, it falls over itself and it's incredibly... Like it's blind luck that 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 it's that it's a successful sport in this country. I really do starting to think that, and this is why we joked earlier about you know a frontline AFL house show. Like I, I'm honestly at the point now where I'm genuinely wondering whether it's blind luck that that it works. Like it's like faulty towers. It's blind luck that the hotel operates the way it does. Like I, I'm honestly at this point where I'm shocked that it that it that, that we're six there must be some people in there that aren't stupid, but I, I yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know where to go from there. It's sad state of affairs to be honest. Like four That's a disgrace. Premiership points over a jumper. Yeah. You get less for you get less for knocking a guy out. They've said that if Port Adelaide where where the prison bar jet Jersey, Guernsey, 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 in in the the Derby, Derby, they'll have to uh, lose those points. And I I tweeted today. I was like, well, if that's the case, Port should strike and refuse to play because that would be fucking hilarious, and that would be completely then taken, and it would prove then the Mickey that the clubs can take out of the AFL and show how weak their hand is. That that would be funny. That would be hilarious if they were like, well, we're not playing. Get stuffed. All those games you want us to play? No. Yeah. Not turn up. Just go nut. How funny would that be? Tell, tell, tell all their supporters not to come. Yeah. That's the heard thing. Them, heard, them at the ga- heard them at the gate. That's the thing. I mean, it's hilarious. Like, the, the the clubs have so much power over the AFL. The AFL is such a ridiculously weak organisation who, who masquerade as this powerful business. It, it would be hilarious if that was the case. Anyway, it, look... This was an official AFL statement. I'm not just like saying this. This is something that actually happened today. They're, oh, they're fucked. Sorry. They are. They are. They're so bad. It's such a bad organisation. It's. I. I. I just can't. Anyway. Um. Uh, making Scott Morrison's government looking uh, like they know what they're doing. Yeah. They. They. Jokes aside, that's exactly what I thought today. I was like, it makes this current federal government look organised, and, and they can't mm-hmm. even vaccinate. They're vaccinating at the same rate as, you know, a third world country. Like it's it's unbelievable. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that rabbit hole. <laughs> sorry, you won't dig down that rabbit hole. Oh, I can't, I can't go that down. No, too late at night. Oh, he's a rat. Anyways, that's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> I've have a lot to say about him, but you know, yeah. Anyway, um, this kid listening, mate. This kid's listening. There are. Um, look, great game, fast contested. Um, 4-1 to 4-4 at quarter time, 8-1 to 8-7. The other thing too is quite an accurate game, which is always a good game. And lots of consistent scoring through quarters. Um, Three-quarter time, 11-5 to 11-10, and then 13-7 to 16-13. So really, Essendon should have blown them away um, in that fourth quarter, but it kind of felt, you know, close-ish because, they, you know, there was a bunch of points. But look, you know, I, it's, it's such a hard situation too because, like, you know, 
Penderbury and Cybottom, their favourite sons, right? They're not going to trade them. It's hard because like they don't even have currency anywhere because they're such Collingwood people. If they were a little bit younger and they weren't quite as iconic Collingwood players, they're not going to see finals really in the next few years, let's be honest. So you'd, you'd almost think with these kind of players, if they were a little bit younger, this is such a fairyland, but like a little bit younger and like, you know, not as iconic Collingwood players, that they would, you know, trade them for a bit of bait to then, you know, play the market a bit more and get a few mid-tier players and, you know, fill, particularly fill the hole offensively. But 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 they can't even do that. Like they, it it Ned Guy is you know the Joker of of, of list managers. Like I I can't believe the Rubik's cube situation he's created with with this team. Like it, it is such a mind f situation with with trying to sort out what to do with this weird ass age mix. Like I I I, I it's so strange. Like the older players don't have bait. The younger players are kind of starting to get games at least now. There's like two tiers of mid-tier players. It's it's so odd. I, I you know blowing ironically like it's not like the NBA where you can blow the team up and start again. Like you'd have to blow the team up three or four times to try and you know clear things because of the the yeah. fences that goes on within um, again the bush league conversation within the AFL's um, trading systems. I mean if there was a mid season draft right now we'd be then saying uh, not draft sorry um trade period like a proper trade period we'd now be saying well should Collingwood try and trade to goey and release six seven hundred thousand out of the cap even if they pay 200 or 100 of his wage then they can do blank 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 but we can't because it's, it's a completely you know closed book really so i i, I, I look except because we're not living in 2021 when it comes to the afl no well, clearly. I do kind of everything that the NBA are doing, but not. We pretend, more. yeah, we masquerade, and then change it and only do half ass. <laughs> yeah, we do that. That's a that's a very good way to describe. It. We we do elements of it, but not the whole thing. Um, yeah. We're too scared of the whole thing. Or what if the clubs got upset at us? We wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to do anything about that. Yeah, wouldn't want to upset the people that we own. Wouldn't want to upset the businesses that we own. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's what's so incredible about it. Imagine being, you and I have worked in, in various businesses, right? Imagine being like, oh, we wouldn't want to upset that business. Oh, yeah, CEO, get stuff, mate. I'll do it this way. It's so okay. weird. Because you and I have worked in specific businesses where, like, I can think of exact, well, I won't name them, but I can think of exact examples where I, I, I can't, like, even fathom in the business world this to happen the way it's happened with the AFL. Like, oh, there's no way. It would happen the way it's happened. But anyway, it's a shocking, embarrassing situation, really. Um, but good game. Great game. If you didn't see the Anzac game, watch it. It's really good. It's consistent scoring. It's fun. It, 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 it's not good for Collingwood fans, really, because it's like watching a car crash in slow motion. But it, 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 it gets there in the end. Look, they tried. You know, at least there's 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 bits of it that work. But um, Essendon, I, I can't wait to see the way they bounce back um, this week. So it's going to be... Be uh, very interesting. So yeah, can bring, they can bring that intensity. They'll be competitive, competitive, and might even sneak another win this week. I reckon it's a chance. Yeah, and it was a good game, unlike the last game of the round. The last game of the round, piece of shit. Um, Port hammered um, the busted ass, uh, unfit St Kilda. Salt, salt in the wound, face in the mud. They did everything possible to really make this St Kilda team suffer. <laughs> 
in watching this though, I, the biggest thing, the, the main note that I wrote for this game was Saints. Uh, I actually wrote on my notepad. I wrote Saints are disgustingly unfit, and that's the thing. Like they actually looked really unfit. Like they looked like me running around trying to trying to play in this game. Like it was like you know. It was just so embarrassing. Like I was like, "Wow, they look." It, it literally looked like a a, a v like a, a really AFL low versus a, a low league versus an AFL side. Yeah, it really did genuinely look like that. It, it did look like a um, what's the, what do they say in the NBA? The um, like the the not practicing. Yeah, like a G League type thing. Like it, it really did look pretty embarrassing. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, just for a team that finished what sixth. Was eyeing off potentially top four this year. Another humiliating loss. Losses are fine. Like you don't want them, but huge losses. Huge. Yeah. Like just debilitating. Uh, just uh, yeah, they got the injuries, but as we said, like how many of those players come back in and make a significant impact? Two. Max. Maybe three. Max. Max. When Ryder comes back in, he's thirty-eight years old, four hundred ten years old. Is he going to make the impact that they need from no. him? Potentially, but I don't think he will. He hasn't played. He hasn't played. Not like, not like that. Brawl, so yeah. Ruckman don't usually come back and dominate games straight away. So I think yeah, horribly inaccurate too. So end of the first quarter, four one to one four. I mean that that basically tells the story. Like you know, and then end of this halftime. So eight three to two five. It just gets worse yeah. and worse. Eleven eight. It just sounded like it sounded like a team that did in their eyes really well last year and drank their Kool-Aid all at once straight up after. Oh, and they got nothing. I don't think they drank it. I think they necked it. I, I think it was um, – I think they did shots with it. I think it was really pretty embarrassing. Mm. Uh, Fantasia and Motlop. Motlop, I mean, yeah, like <laughs> the depth that Port have is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, Georgiades, Rosie, Dixon. Yeah, I mean, that. that this was – this was a – this was a – Port, this was port porn, pretty much. Um, yeah. And, and and the Saints were, were absolutely fucking piss poor. Uh, Steel, Marshall, Ross were okay, but, yeah, they were very bad. They were bad. Bad. Um, not much to take out of this. They didn't they, – so Saints led briefly in the first quarter in the first couple of minutes, and that's it. I mean, this, this was just a terrible game. Um, so that is round six – uh, lots to discuss. Wowie, I mean, I mean, like, there's so many angles we could go forward on, but we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up there. We'll do a round seven preview. Big thanks to our sponsors at Hopstone, Hopstone's craft beer delivery service. Please check them out at hopstone.com.au. You can use the promo code AFL Deep Dive to get twenty five dollars off your first pack. Don't be like St Kilda. Don't uh, be too lethargic. Get up, smile, enjoy your team this week. Have fun. Uh, yes, nice long episode for me to finish your week off with before the next round. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye.